0: Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, media trainer and editor of veganbusinessmedia.com, the multimedia blog providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. In this episode, I interview Alicia Lai, founder of luxury shoe brand Bourgeois Bohème in London, UK. After a career as a podiatrist, Alicia, who's originally from Australia, moved to London 10 years ago to start a vegan footwear company. Originally selling a range of lower-priced shoe brands along with accessories, she took a break from the business and relaunched it as a high-end luxury aspirational brand focusing solely on her own shoe designs. The company has built up loyal fans among the vegan and vegetarian communities for its quality bespoke products and is currently expanding to attract conscious consumers interested in fairly made and sustainable fashion. In response to its popularity with American customers, Bourgeois Bohème launched a US website early this year. In this interview, Alicia talks about the importance of doing research before launching a business and not rushing into it, giving yourself permission to rebrand and relaunch if necessary, ensuring you don't underestimate the costs involved in running a business, including the one area many business owners fail to factor in, the challenges involved in convincing non-vegan retailers to take vegan products and how to overcome these, the benefits of celebrity endorsement and the essential strategy to get it without using a PR agency, and much more. Here's the interview with Alicia Lai from Bourgeois Bohème.
1: Hello, Alicia. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Katrina. It's a pleasure. So the question I ask, I begin by asking everybody is what's the why? What's the passion, the reason for you running Bourgeois Bayon?
2: Well, you know, I'm a vegan myself. Um, I've been vegan veggie for what, 25 years or more. And, you know, I was a podiatrist working in health um, in my previous life and, you know, it wasn't, Really doing it for me, and I always had the passion about animals and veganism and the environment, etc. And I really wanted to sort of, you know, put that together with, you know, everything that I do daily job. And, you know, I couldn't find any vegan shoes that I really liked on the market, you know. F- 10 years ago and so had this crazy idea to start a
1: vegan business you know I didn't realize you were a podiatrist before that's actually kind of oh, first of all when you said that I thought oh that's kind of strange and then I thought well actually no it isn't because it's still related to the feet which is kind of cool yeah
2: <laughs> it is related it's sort of you know gives me I suppose some background to footwear etc I mean I'm not sure that I take it totally into account you know with the designs but um, it, it's in the back of my <laughs> mind and also to you know when customers you know ask me questions etc then you know i'm a bit i'm a bit more i'm okay with giving them you know a little bit more of an informed decision or answer
1: so yeah it's good it's good oh fantastic now who are your my your main um clientele alicia like who what kind of demographic or, or market actually buys your shoes
2: yeah predominantly it is the vegan vegetarian market um you know, because obviously, you know, it's a vegan vegetarian product, but we're trying to sort of, um, spread that out and into the more conscious consumer people who want to have an understanding of where their products are made, um, and more eco-friendly, um, footwear Um, so we're trying to sort of expand out but at the moment predominantly vegan and veggie and you know our price points are a little bit you know higher than let's say some other brands so the demographic tends to be a little bit I suppose older if you want to say well not really old it it spreads across 25 to 55 I suppose but um, yeah people who may have a little bit more of a means to um, purchase you know our, our product yeah
1: got it got it and it's interesting i'm glad you brought that up about the price because obviously mm. a lot of um the challenge is for vegan products with food and also with non-food yeah. products they do tend to be pricier because you know business owners aren't able to get the discounts that are available in bulk yeah. for the raw materials and that sort of thing now it's interesting i remember when i interviewed you last year for for my book and i believe you started bourgeois with lower priced shoes then you yes. took a bit of a break from your business and then relaunched as a high-end sort of luxury yes. aspirational brand tell us a little bit about how that came about?
2: Yeah, I mean when I first, I mean you know uh, this will probably go into questions later but before you start a business you need to you know do lots of research which I did but um, I sort of jumped into it and we were bringing in, we didn't have our own branded product so we were bringing in other brands so we would buy in vegan brands etc and their price points were what they were and then um, we started producing our own shoes and to tell you the truth initially I sort of got my pricing a bit wrong <laughs> you know? so we were pricing them a little bit lower than what they should be um, which was fine And um, but you sort of don't tend to make any margin or profit etc you know to take the business forward so when, we, when I made the decision to sort of have a break because I had a couple of children and wanted to spend some time with them I sort of rethought about the business and we predominantly, I mean, well, we only do footwear now. I was doing bags, belts, wallets, purses, all sorts of things, accessories. So, you know, my love is shoes. So I decided to, re, you know, relaunch just as shoes and also to, you know, to really make it a great quality product. Um, we I wanted to make it our own designs, um, getting great quality materials, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it's not that we want to launch and have our shoes expensive. You know, um, it's just that the price points are there in regards to, to, as you mentioned, working with factories, you know, they will demand minimums. If you can't meet those minimums, they add on another 10%, 20% on top of prices. Um, you know, and as, as you're saying, components of prices keep going up because we don't meet the quantity, you know, minimum quantities of 1,000, 10,000. And, you know, surprisingly, which people aren't aware of, you know, uh, the materials that we choose are a lot more innovative. They're made in Italy and Spain. And, you know, the actual lineage meter to buy these upper materials and linings, etc., is a lot more expensive than leathers, you know, out there. So our basically cost price to actually produce our footwear is a lot higher. You know, and for us as well, we choose really great factories who produce other amazing brands. And um there are our own best boat designs, which means, you know, we have to cut our own uppers and our own patterns and everything. So it all adds up, you know, and the price points are what they are, you know. Unfortunately, well, not you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, but it depends. If you want a quality product that's bespoke, that's you know, not everyone else is wearing on the market, a little bit more exclusive, then that that's the price. It costs, unfortunately, to, to produce this product, but, um, but you know, I'm happy to wear where it is. I don't want to be just another brand out there. I want our, our footwear to stand out, to be different, to be great quality, and um, yeah, that's where we are
1: that's brilliant I really appreciate you sharing all that that's that's really you know interesting to get those kind of insights you know being flexible with your business model like you say you know you put it out there and then being being willing to shift it um, accordingly so that that's great and I think that's really important because I know when I interviewed we were talking earlier we were talking that one of my earlier guests um, was uh, Justin Mead from Vegan Style and I know he was saying um, that you know he obviously sometimes cops some flack from people within the vegan community saying oh why are these shoes so expensive and it's important I think for people to hear what you've just Mm. said you know that they're not just buying some mass-produced thing that's been no. produced in some horrible factory, probably mm. with sweatshop labor. That's twenty-five dollars mm. or whatever. Yeah. but they are actually buying a really high-quality product that's that's going to last, or whatever. Yeah. So I appreciate you you sharing that. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs>
2: I mean, um, as a vegan, bit you know, it's really it's really difficult. You know, we're only not wanting to be vegan; we're wanting to be eco, ethical, etc. So for us to tick every single box, it's just so difficult you know we get so many demands from people that they want to ethical in the sense of transparent supply chain we have they want to ethical in the sense of vegan or uh, you know fair working conditions so we're ticking a lot of boxes and it's really not easy you know we're looking at You know, water-based, non-animal glues, and recycled components, etc. And it's just, uh, you know, to make a shoe, people think it's simple, but, you know,
1: (laughs) don't start a vegan
2: footwear business, people. Maybe do hangar cheese or something. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting as well that you shifted, as you say, from from selling other people's brands to very yeah. much creating and focusing on your own mm-hmm. individual you know, design onwards, which is interesting. Why did you call it Bourgeois Bohème?
2: Oh my goodness. Same. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, people either love it or hate it. Yes. Yeah? So, um, well, you know, we we were sort of um, drinking sangrias actually on a balcony in Greece one day, <laughs> and we we were with this like um, French, yeah, it was nice French <laughs> Tunisian guy, and we. The this was, you know, years ago, trying to decide on what we would call the business, and, you know, we didn't want to put sort of vegan or vegetarian or anything in it. We wanted it to be more of a brand itself, and, and he sort of came up with Bourgeois Bohemian. So it's it's sort of the mix of the bourgeoisie with the Bohemia. So it's a bit of, you know, the sophistication with the alternative
1: being put together, and that's how we sort of Fabulous. came about. Yeah. Nice. So it's well, very memorable as well. You know, you... <laughs> <laughs> if you can
2: spell it, then you know. <laughs>
1: No, that's great. Now, look, you touched on some of the challenges from when you were challenges from when you first started out, yeah. which is great about the you know kind of being aware of the pricing and the research. Mm-hmm. And as you've shifted, how have you now obviously you know it's ten years now. Like you mm-hmm. you mentioned that the the business has been um, in existence. How have the challenges changed over the years as you've grown? Um,
2: well, I think it's, you know, demands of the customs, I suppose, in a sense, um, the challenges in trying to find better, more innovative materials and products that we want. I mean, there's a lot more um, vegan footwear brands coming up, you know, each year there's one or two more new brands and also, too, when you look at mainstream mainstream shops, you know, a lot of uh, mainstream brands are coming up with their little vegan ranges, which really annoys me, actually. Am I allowed to say that? But, you know, uh, they're a huge company. They can see demand for vegan shoes, so they produce a few, you know, and obviously they can sell them, at you know, £40, whereas we can't, you know. So the challenges are there regards to the demand of the market, what's available in the market at the moment, um, you know. I mean, lately this Brexit thing that's happening in um you know, in the UK, you know, we purchase our shoes in Europe. So obviously, that's taken a big bite of a chunk Um. out of our bank balance, you know, because obviously, the cost price of our shoes have gone up minimum of 20%. So there are all these, you know, different things that uh, you know, are factors in the business I think people may not necessarily be wary of, but the challenges of to run a small business, you know, and um, you know, with technology these days you need more digital security, more software, uh, you know, so it's just constant you know
1: it's so Um, true it's so true well my partner and I were doing some something about you know like the costs of running our business and that is it's like it's the tech stuff the computer stuff that is the most expensive it's Um, ridiculous
2: yeah and I think you know when people think about a footwear company I think they just think about footwear but for us it's everything we've got accountants bookkeepers designers software developers websites security I could go on you know so (laughs) (laughs) but I won't
1: bore you all yeah no that's a really good point I I totally get it yeah did you you find that I know you mentioned and I I was going to ask you about that later but it's great that it's come up now you know with the you know the more more vegan shoe brands coming on board and I was going to ask how you how do you um, deal with that challenge to to stay you know apart does it force you to be more innovative
2: yeah, in a sense it does, you know, uh, you know, we, you just have to be very clear about the product that you want, how you may differentiate yourself from the other brands, Um, you know, not all of us are the same, you know, some brands are sort of cheaper and, you know, just, um, you know, more, let's say high street type looking shoes, some are more glamorous high heels, you know, some are amazing men's shoes, um, so yeah, it's about finding, looking at, you know, the different brands and where you can fit in, etc etc., you know, and it's not so much a dog-eat-dog world out there, you know, I mean, I know lots of owners of different vegan footwear brands, we chat away, and uh, I think this is one of the questions later, which I'm, you know, I'm jumping in here, but, you know, I'm I'm collaborating with a couple of vegan brands in America, not in producing goods, but just working together um, in the marketplace to sort of, um, you know, Brand ourselves and and spread the word. So I think you know it's a collaborative thing. You know it's not it's not such a horrible doggy dog world out there. And I think you know within the you know vegan community, I suppose smaller fashion niche communities, it tends to be a little bit more collaborative and friendly, etc. And it, and it's good to have to have that available to us.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that is one of the things I ask is about, you know, what about those concepts of competition versus collaboration? And I've certainly found from the the vegan business owners and entrepreneurs that I've interviewed that there does tend to be more of a kind of, uh, you know, we're kind of, yes, we may have similar businesses in that we're in the same kind of sector, but we've kind of got this bigger vision. And so it's more a case of let's lift each other up than than pull each other down kind of thing, which is great. Now, you mentioned the launch for the US. And as I mentioned, I was very excited when I, I heard about this. Um, tell us about that. So why did you decide to do it? What were some of the challenges and considerations you had to take into account?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, the U.S. market is huge, you know, for vegan veggies. And we have lots of customers there. So we're looking at a way that we can better access them, um, you know, in regards to postage and having stock in the U.S., et cetera, et cetera, and, and launching a U.S. website. Obviously, people want to pay in the currency of, you know, of their um home you know um, so I mean lots of I won't bore you but lots of techie type stuff with um, geo mapping and all sorts of things as websites I mean we've got some stock with logistics in the US um You know, so there's, uh, it's not the easiest thing to do, um, but it's once again, you know, I'm sort of reconsidering what we're doing there and whether, you know, we keep stock in the UK and just find better postage rates to send to the US because obviously you've got two stock inventories and,
1: uh, yeah, yeah, Yeah. and
2: different things like that. So there's a lot of behind the scenes sort of, uh, you know, (laughs) logistics and stock and techie stuff that are taken into consideration in respect to that but you know as I mentioned before I'm sort of working with a lady in the US and a couple of other vegan brands so hopefully we can help each other push each other along and um, move it along in the US that's great yeah are they
1: other shoe brands that you're working with yeah yeah there's another shoe brand and a
2: vegan um, handbag brand so yeah why not you know let's all get together and
1: work together absolutely well i think as well it's worth pointing out that it really it says a lot for your reputation mm. and in your company that you you've got the americans buying from you because you know what i mean they've obviously got choice over there so the very fact that they've been buying from you um i think obviously says a lot about the quality and the style and you know their their happiness with your product so congratulations on that (laughs) fantastic (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we do try <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> excellent so do you have staff for i know we talked about you know bookkeepers and what have yeah. you i mean do you actually have how many employees do you have well any? yeah
2: there's myself then i have two well full-time employees i've got sophie who's sort of digital marketing pr lady she's sort of here five days a week then i've got ada who's here four days a week she's sort of customer service and um looks at fashion uh, you know our content and and all that sort of thing basically and then myself and then we have you know often we have may have an intern working with us as well who um which is great having these you know younger enthusiastic guys in who help do things and learn things along the way and then obviously we have tons of other you know uh, subcontractors I don't know what you call them but anyway you know you've got factories you've got agents you've got developers you've got bookkeepers and graphic designers and lots of things yeah but the core is sort of three of us here
1: fantastic and how do you go about finding and keeping experienced and motivated staff?
2: You know, <laughs> surprisingly, you know, as a vegan company, we do get a lot, you know, we do get a few CVs in every so often, you know, because obviously it's the same sort of thing. You know, I run a business based on my ethics as a vegan and lots of vegans, veggies out there want to do the same work for a business, you know, um, based on their ethics. And, um, you know, so it's a matter of, uh, you know, looking through CVs, talking to people, you know, are they the same you know, position and where we want to push the business, etc. And, um, yeah, so, and keeping motivated, I think, you know, it's just about being enthusiastic about the brand and where we want to take it and, you know, doing different things, keeping it interesting, collaborations, digital marketing, you know, and, and keeping things, you know, and I like having a nice, relaxed, sort of fun, environment here at, in the office as well so yeah it's good you know it, uh, you know i'm not the boss really you know i'm just part of the team and we all work together and um that that's the way that's the way i like to do it oh
1: that's fantastic yeah. that sounds good one thing i was going to ask before we go on so i was going to talk to you about marketing the business one thing yeah. i wanted to, to check with you because i know you sell online through your yeah. own uh, online stores in the uk and currently in the us as well do you also have your products in retailers
2: yeah we do we've probably got about a dozen around the world so obviously as uh we've got vegans style, uh, lovely Justin in Melbourne, we have sort of Sweden, Canada, America, Germany, Switzerland, so we have around the place, I mean, surprisingly, uh, we've got sort of a small shop in the UK that has our Stop! But we're trying to really broaden that because often, you know, footwear isn't the easiest thing to sell online. You know, I just wish Mm. one size fits all would be amazing. Yes, (laughs) and we have one shoe sizing around the world would be amazing, but it doesn't exist. So (laughs) people do want to try shoes on, and you know, feet come in all shapes and sizes. So, um, so more more and more people say, "Where can I buy your shoes?" You know, in a shop. So we're really trying to, um, you know, to push that with with our business, and uh, you know, not just vegan shops but basically you know ethical shops conscious shoppers mm. um, little boutiques who may want to to may want to have our range you know but one of the um, you know a, I suppose a big um, um, what's the word hurdle there is trying to explain to people what vegan shoes are and why we have them materials often the concept of vegan shoes is plastic smelly feet you know a <laughs> shoes. shoe, so uh, yeah. uh, so we're trying to sort of get past that and say, you know, actually, you know, I don't want to talk down leather, although I you know I really don't like it, but you know, I don't try and be too negative, but just trying to put the positive ups and comparing the two and um yeah, and showing people that you know it's not just about the shoes, it's about the ethics and everything else that we we have behind the shoes.
1: And do you deal directly with retailers or do you use a broker or a distributor? No, so I have,
2: I mean, mainly we do a lot in-house, which is a headache. It takes so much time and, (laughs) you know, phone (laughs) call after phone call. Um, I've got uh, two lovely ladies, um, one in America and one in Sweden, who I've just brought on board. So they're sort of helping me there. So, um, which is great. So, you know, we'll just try and grow organically and, And, you know, with our new range coming up for spring-summer 17, um, it looks like a great range. So hopefully we can just push that out a little bit more. Um, Yeah, yeah. And not so much market it necessarily as a vegan product, but it's just an amazing product that happens to be vegan. You know,
1: exactly. Exactly. I'm guessing if you're with shop, like if your products are in stores, there's obviously a lower profit margin for you. Yep, I'm guessing, yeah. unless you've got it on the those big scales, like in kind of lots and lots of of stores. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, okay.
2: yeah. It is a low. It is a lower margin for us. But you know, at the same time, it's great to get our product out there, and um, you know, and, and if more people see the product and try it on, and you know, for us also too, it's about spreading the word about you know, vegan shoes aren't really just for vegans, they're for anybody. And, trying to, you know, inform people that actually there is a better product to buy out there than what's out there. You may have to pay a little bit more, but this is why and it's more ethical, it's transparent, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So for us, it's really about, you know, pushing that, you know, out there.
1: Fantastic. So you touched on you've got someone working with you doing digital marketing and PR. Yeah. So what have been some of what are some of the marketing strategies you've used that have been successful in growing market? Um,
2: well, I think, you know, it, branding is a big thing, you know, and just I think being true to who we are and telling our story and why we do things is a big thing. You know, keeping it a little bit more personal, not too corporate, you know, and being, um, you know, yeah, we're easy to talk with and communicate with. You know, we're not some big corporate company. So in a sense, that's part of the marketing and the branding. Um, you know, digital marketing these days is is a big thing, you know. So we try and collaborate with, you know, different brands. You know, we're collaborating with mud jeans at the moment with, a, with sort of a Twitter competition. Um, you know, we'll do something with chocolate brands, etc., and you know video I think is, is a big thing now you know to, to push forward as well you know there's all things um, like boomerang where you make little videos online um, and you know we just had our photo shoot earlier this week we sort of had a live Facebook video feed and that sort of thing I know.
1: saw that yeah <laughs> so you know yeah,
2: I think it's about you know keeping people informed about what we're getting up to because I think once again this is to do with the perception of pricing and where we are with the shoes and if you would see what we're doing what we get up to, how much goes into actually producing a shoe, et cetera, and keeping people informed. And also, we encourage feedback as well. You know, we'd love to hear that from people about what they think, et cetera. And I think, you know, it's being that personable brand uh I think is good, and yeah just def- definitely digital marketing is the way collaborations and getting out there you know as well you know you know there's no point sitting in the office, so we need to get our goods out there. We try and do pop up shops here and there, um you know, we try and be involved with giving talks about you know fashion et cetera as well, so it's not one thing, it's like a lots of little things, you know, yeah to bring it absolutely. All together. <laughs> yeah
1: important to have that online and and offline yeah as well sometimes people see it offline marketing as kind of being a bit old-fashioned but yeah it's kind of like it's actually quite nice to do that that face-to-face yeah, thing, yeah i think so. so yeah So, we touched on a little bit about the name of the company. What about the use of the word vegan in your marketing materials on your website and the prominence of the word? Because, you know, some people think, oh, no, veganism, like you mentioned earlier, it's got these stereotypes around what it is. But now, it's become, in the last couple of years, it's become kind of almost like trendy, (laughs) which I never thought I would say. Tell us a bit about your thoughts on how much or, you know, you use the word vegan.
2: You know, it's it's really tricky, you know. (laughs) I don't think I have the solution, unfortunately, but... Obviously, you know people want to know that our product is vegan, so we do mention it sort of on our website homepage and through, and through um, you know our marketing or press releases, whatever. You know, we'll always mention that we're vegan, etc. And then it all depends on who we're trying to communicate with. You know, so if it's a purely vegan veggie market, then yes, you know way up there if it's to do with sort of you know mainstream fashion then we may not mention it in the forefront but it will always mention it there so it is it is tricky um, so we try and balance it according to the audience that we're speaking with really
1: excellent that makes perfect sense now you've had some great celebrity endorsements for your, for your shoes through yeah. Natalie Portman and Tori DeVito I saw she um, yeah. tweeted something out about when you launched in the US which yeah. is fabulous how do you go about making that happen? Do you like? Do you have a PR agency? Do you no. contact the celebrities? Tell us a little bit about. Yeah, I
2: mean, it's difficult. I mean, it's sort of, uh, you know, you. It's well, how can I? <laughs> it's it's not easy, and I think you know to have some sort of celebrity endorsement, I think is always good, and um, you know obviously it's people who are in line with our ethics of a company. So basically, we just we just try and contact either their agents or them direct. You know, a lot of them have sort of Twitter or Instagram accounts and things like that. So you know, if you just sort of say hey and you know communicate with them etc., then you know uh, some of some you know will come back to us and say hey yeah we'd love to you know collaborate. With you, etc. You know, you know. Often we gift shoes, or you know, some of them buy them from us, which is great. Um, you know, Brian Adams is our latest guy. You know, we, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we made a couple of shoes. You know, bespoke specifically for him, and he's lovely. So, um, yeah, it's just a matter of finding someone who's in line with what you are, and um, you know, not everyone will get back to you. Some will, some won't. So it's just sort of, you know, just plugging away there, really. And I think
1: so. Yeah. When when you contact them, then so you wouldn't just send shoes randomly. Do you advise contacting them first and saying, "Would you like to receive a?" a yeah, you know, I compliment? Yeah,
2: it depends on the company. We're tiny. We're so tiny. We can't just give away shoes willy-dilly, you know. So we would never just give away a pair of shoes, you know. Not not because you know, we don't want to. It's just that we don't have the budget. Um, and also to, you know, for us, it's building a long-term relationship, you know. So, so we're not going to send someone a pair of shoes and say, okay, that's it. You know, we want to build up, you know, do things with them, make it long-term and keep doing it season from season, et cetera, um, so we would contact the agents, the person, talk to them. Some people have said no, we're not interested. That's fine, you know. You know, we don't take it too personally. <laughs> I'm <sure laughs> you don't want our amazing shoes, but anyway. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but you know, some of them come back and say amazing, I love your shoes. And you know, we've had you know Tori DeVito's great. You know, we've we've gifted her shoes, and then she's bought another five pairs from us. So you know, it, it's it's great. So um, no, so I think. If you're a tiny brand, I would not just go sending lots of shoes out. You know, I would I would start build. It's about building relationships with people and making it a little bit more long term and and build, building it that way.
1: Oh, it's good to hear that. And it's good to know that the the direct approach can actually help. Yeah, it's um, mm. a bit of a a misconception or the the thought that, oh, no, you know, you have to go through, a, you know, a big agency or whatever yeah. to do that. I that mean, I think,
2: that. you know, the bigger they are, then yes, you do. And then, you know, you will have to go through, you know, we have had an example of a particular celebrity in the US who, you know, we'd only go through their agent and, um, you know, we sent shoes and we never got anything back from them, which we're not very happy about when they said they would. So, you know, it it, it's, Good and bad. So it's just a matter of, you know, seeing how you go, really. Yeah.
1: And what, what benefits um, have you received as a result of getting those kind of celebrity high-profile endorsements? Yeah,
2: I think, you know, it's basically to show people that, uh, you know, in, in, you know, I don't want to be horrible at this sort of fickle world in a way, you know, there's so much sort of celebrity endorsements out there. So, um, you know, we tend to be more conscious and about careful about who we choose. And I think if they see that they are, you know, these more celebs out there who do like our shoes and wear them and think they're great, then that's always a positive thing, you know. Um And, uh, you know, we haven't seen massive, huge increases in sales, but, you know, I think it it takes time to build up, etc. And, um, you know, it's just basically chipping away and and working together, you know, together and slowly to, to, um, you know, to get out there, really
1: yeah for sure so we touched on this a little bit earlier but, um for those people who are aspiring because i can imagine a lot of people to be listening to you going oh she's so cool i'm really inspired <laughs> i want to start my own vegan business whether yeah. or not it's you know a shoe brand or whatever it could yeah. be anything what advice would you give to them so say they're in your similar situation they've got their nine to five day job but yeah. it's not really fulfilling them what yeah. advice would you give or what do you, what do they need to take into account um before making that jump from employed to self-employed
2: yeah i think it is definitely doing your research, really having a think about, you know, your product, is there a gap in the market, Uh, lots and lots and lots of research, um, lots of sampling. Uh, you know, testing the market, surveying, um, uh, you know, maybe making prototypes. I mean, depending on what the product is, obviously, you know, and, and, and getting lots of focus groups and feedback, etc. And, you know, don't, don't like, go mad and rush into it like I did, you know. <laughs> you know, I mean, it has to be. It has to. It started off as a hobby, and now it's just like, oh, my God, you know, I've got this business. But, um, you know, take your time about it, you know, make sure speak to There's lots of sort of industry, uh, professional associations, and even, you know, talking to other businesses businesses don't be afraid to speak to other vegan businesses or whatever it is you know you're doing whether it's food whether it's whatever you know i mean you know if anyone contacted me which people have you know thinking about starting vegan shoe businesses i'm happy to i'm happy to talk to people so i think the thing is don't be afraid to talk to people who are, who already do it who have experience in doing it um, professional bodies etc and really get a good idea of what you want to do and if you think it's the right thing to do then yeah make sure you've got sort of you know time and money <laughs> and etc uh, etc cetera, et cetera, to see you through with it really yeah and a plan
1: obviously. yeah I'm yeah. glad you touched on that on the money thing it's interesting I saw an uh, um, an article actually quite recently and it was all about you know oh you know most entrepreneurs just rich kids, and they've got access to tons of money, yeah. kind of thing. And I thought yeah. oh, that's an interesting one because it's not necessarily the case for no. some of the people I've interviewed. But just touching on, in regards to funding businesses, yeah. and every business has got some startup costs, and obviously more yeah. so and ongoing costs, uh, as we touched on earlier. So, yeah. uh, if you're comfortable in sharing, what were some of the methods you used to get started initially to? Well, to
2: get yeah, off the I'm fortunate that I have a nice husband. <laughs> so basically i mean our business is self-funded um and i've got a nice husband who's lent me some money you know not that we have tons of money but he's lent me enough to get going but especially with a a footwear business you know you need a minimum of 50,000 let's say pounds let's say perhaps you know if you're building your own lasts and shoes and patterns and everything else so uh you know you really got to make sure you've got that funding there and funds ahead to see you through um You know, I mean, I basically worked full-time as a podiatrist for the first, what, two and a half years as well as this job on top. So if you don't have a life and uh, (laughs) you're happy not to have a life for a couple of years, it's fine. But, you know, there is lots of different funding out there. You know, if you can get someone who partners with you and will fund it with you, there's crowdfunding, there's um, banks, you know, they're not so... um, Maybe not the best way to go, but I think there, there are there is availability out there now, you know, for social entrepreneur businesses and different things. So I think, you know, talk to your local business sort of um, link or whatever it is in your country and um, talk to them about what your options are really. But I think, you know, you will have to have some sort of funding
1: to start off with good good I think yeah. it's good to give people practical tips and and yeah. the reality of the situation which yeah. is good so I appreciate you you sharing that and giving people some idea of, of mm-hmm. that that's brilliant so the past, uh, last few um, sort of questions couple of questions are around mindset so a lot yeah. of business owners and entrepreneurs say running a, a, a business it's the fastest form of personal development because yeah. you know you've got to get out of your comfort zone yeah. it challenges you in so many ways yeah. what personal qualities do you believe are essential to staying the course and running a successful? ethical business
2: yeah I think you know you got to have the passion behind the business yeah if if it's not there then forget it really (laughs) you know because to tell you the truth I mean we've taken so many back. I mean even You know, even currently, you know, we're doing our spring-summer 17 range and not all my samples are here. I've got the photographer at the moment taking photography and I don't have all my samples. And it's just, you know, I think you just have to know that it's not, you're always going to have knockbacks all the time and you can't let them get you down. You've just got to keep at it. And, you know, as long as you've got the resilience and you're, I suppose, you're realistic about what you want to achieve and what you want to do and you've got to be a little bit, I don't know what's the word, bolshy, but, you know, you've got to be a little bit (laughs) pushy. is that the word I don't know pushy (laughs) out there not pushy horrible but you know you've got to you've got to sort of have um can I say the balls to get out there and you know and you know go talk to people and network and um don't sort of you know I think a lot of small business owners including myself you know we've just got so much to do I mean my to-do list is a mile long and it's it's never ending (laughs) you know I never have everything ticked off but I think um what was my point but basically I think uh, yeah you just got to sort of keep at it and prioritize and I think bring in help when you can you know I think you always want to do everything yourself and take control but I think sometimes you know you just got to delegate and let people sort of um, take it on and interns I mean have been great who've come in and helped me and you know I, I do pay them and you know um, et cetera, But um, yeah, you've just got to sort of um, have the resilience and be realistic about what you're doing and get help in when you want and talk to lots of people, network and um, don't stay in your little bubble because um, you need to get out. Yeah.
1: That's a really good point, actually. It's so easy, I think, to do yeah. that yeah. and think that, you know, you're doing the right thing. But it's amazing what can happen when you yeah. do go out and network and have that face to face, you know, yeah. communication and things, opportunities that can happen because yeah. of that. Mm. So, are there any specific steps or strategies or techniques that you do to kind of be ensure that you have a strong mental and emotional well-being as a business owner. Oh, so I'm well, thinking anything like meditation, self, anything like that. No, i got two
2: crazy kids, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, For me personally, you know, I'm pretty easygoing, and you know, I, you know, you do. It is stressful, but I think my personality is, I'm pretty easygoing, and I'll just get on with it, you know. And uh, I think that's always been the way, you know, just get on with it. But you know, for me, I have two kids, you know, and uh, on top of the business, it's crazy. But you know, it's great to just. It, it, it forces me, you know, to shut down at 5.30 most days. So I spend a few hours with them before they go to bed. Then I'm back on my laptop working. But, you know, I think it's important to make sure that, you know, I do, I go to the gym and play tennis and things like that. So I think don't give up the things that make you happy, you know, that will get out and give you energy and things like that. You know, though, you know, you might say, my God, I don't have time to play that one hour of tennis. You just got to go out and do it, you know, um, or if someone else wants to meditate or whatever else. So I think it's important, you know, that to just don't give up what you enjoy doing, um, prioritizing the time, et cetera. Um, and, you know, you need to take your mind off the business, you know, otherwise you just go crazy.
1: That's such good advice. I think yeah. you've turned that into a little meme. Yeah, don't give up the things that make you happy. And that's no. really good. I can see that being shared around Facebook. That's yeah. very good. That's yeah. a very cool quote. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, love why, that. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so just finally then, Alicia, what's your long-term vision for Bourgeois Am <sighs> and for yourself?
2: Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, well, you know, I think we, you know, we, as I mentioned before, we, we relaunched two years ago. And, you know, I think I finally got the branding and the, and the footwear, you know, because I'm a as I said to you, health background, and I just sort of get on with it and do things. But I think now, uh, you know, I think we've got for spring summer seventeen, we've got a really nice range coming forward. We've sort of got our branding right. We've sort of found our little pocket within the vegan footwear community. So I think it's continuing to develop that, and you know, build the brand and, and build or build organically. You know, I'd like to have more retailers having our shoes, more people knowing about our product, etc. So um, you know, setting our goals. Uh, you know, for each year going forward, and um, seeing how we go. You know, it's a very challenging market at the moment, um, retail and. You know Brexit and all sorts of different yes. things. Yeah, it's it's just a yeah. bit of a nightmare. But I think you know, as long as we keep realistic and you know, we'll continue on and and see how it progresses and being positive and and seeing how we go. Really, you know. <laughs> and, I love your positive attitude. That's yeah. lovely. It's very so important. actually. <laughs> it is. Otherwise, I'd be crazy. <laughs> well, people some are crazy already, but you know, but.
1: Uh, <laughs>
2: but, um, yeah, I think I think that's it, you know. And don't be afraid to bring people in the business. Like, my interns are great. They come in and give me all sorts of ideas. And, you know, I think listening is really listening to other people and taking advice, etc. I think is really, really a good
1: thing. That's fantastic. You've shared so many wonderful pieces of oh, information, Sarah, so. Alicia. I really <laughs> okay. appreciate that. I think you're going to definitely inspire uh, lots of people. I really appreciate you taking that's the time. Okay. I know you're super busy. Thank you very much for no, joining us. that's okay. Me. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me again.
0: So that was Alicia Lai from Bourgeois Boheme. You can find out more at beboheme.com. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts. Now for our vegan business news roundup. Iconic meat alternative company Tofurky has rebranded and released 14 new products in the past year under the leadership of new CEO Jamie Athos, stepson of founder Seth Tibbet, reports latest vegan news. I often cite Tibbet as an example of a brand being authentic and how Tofurky took off when Tibbet injected his fun personality into the company. For years, he ran a struggling tempeh business and even lived in a treehouse because he couldn't afford other accommodation. And you can find out more about his story in my book, Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business, and in my interview with him in a previous episode of Vegan Business Talk. Because Tofurky was a unique product when it first came out, it got a lot of media coverage which allowed it to grow quickly. Today it's continuing its growth with new items including gluten-free pizzas, frozen veggie burgers and a variety of vegan chicken products, sausages and many other items. And Tofurky products are available in supermarkets across the US as well as international distribution in Europe. So this is great. I'm a big fan of Tofurky products after I was introduced to them in 2012 when I was staying with my friend and animal advocate Karen Dawn of Dawnwatch and she hosted an amazing vegan Thanksgiving dinner and I'm so pleased that the company is continuing to flourish and that it's in safe hands to take it to the next level. New York's Vendy Awards, which celebrate the best of the city's mobile and market food vendors, are introducing a vegan category this year, reports Gothamist. Taking place in September on Governor's Island, the awards will see six animal-free producers compete in the vegan food category for the first time. Monk's Meats, a favourite at the Smorgasburg markets, will be entering their vegan barbecue, along with Jerk Shack, who will showcase their Caribbean cuisine, Mystic Masalas with Homemade Indian, Vegan Bandwagon's Veggie Burgers, Yeah Dogs Classic Vegan Hot Dogs, and Bamboo Bites' Southeast Asian Street Foods and Snacks sounds delicious. (laughs) So this is a new development. In the past, vegan businesses such as Cinnamon Snail have won in the general categories. Obviously, vegan eating is becoming so popular that organisers believe it warrants its own category. And the Vendy Awards take place on the 17th of September. Detroit Vegan Soul is a new business that opened its first eatery in 2013. In just three years, it's become so popular that it's expanding, with a second outlet due to open in the city's Grandmont-Rosedale neighbourhood in December, reports Detroit Metro News. The move comes two years earlier than planned, according to co-owner Kirsten Oosary Boyd. The first restaurant in the West Village, which serves up vegan versions of soul dishes, has seen the likes of former President Bill Clinton and Wu-Tang Clan rapper RZA visit. So it's great to see vegan eateries become so popular that there's a market for more of them. Keep an eye on Detroit Vegan Soul social media for an opening date for the new location later this year. One thing I love about vegan business owners and entrepreneurs is their clever creativity when coming up with names for their products or businesses. A vegan bakery in Denver, Colorado, is the latest to do this. Watercourse Bakery is opening to the public for the first time and has changed its name to Make Believe. And there's a comma between the two words indicating a pause. Make Believe it's based on the company's original motto, We Make the Impossible Delicious, owner Daniel Landis told Westward. Watercourse Bakery has been making vegan baked goods since 2004, supplying Landis' other businesses, Watercourse Foods, which he sold to an employee in 2015, and City O City. Now, for the first time, the public will be able to walk in and enjoy a range of speciality breads, vegan treats, as well as gluten-free products. Check out Make Believe social media pages for an opening date, which is expected to be very soon. Finally, Cineholic has begun its expansion of stores, bringing its delicious range of vegan cinnamon rolls to San Diego and Nevada, along with a second outlet in Atlanta. The company, founded by Florian and Shannon Radke, who I interviewed recently on this show, gained national attention in the US when the couple appeared on Shark Tank. While they were offered a deal, they later turned it down, instead teaming up with a franchise specialist to realise their vision of cineholic outlets across the US. Atlanta store owner Jake Bryant told Online Athens the second outlet in the state will open in September in the downtown area of Athens, and he also expects to open another location in Atlanta near Emory University. The first San Diego location opened this week at Mission Valley Mall at a kiosk outside Macy's, while the Nevada spot made its debut at the mall at Grand Canyon Retail Centre. So this is a fantastic example of vegan world domination, one business at a time, which is my motto and vision. (laughs) It's about time we had vegan franchises with mouth watering treats that appeal to everyone. So I'm loving the expansion of Cineholic. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please consider giving in a review and a rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. I'm Katrina Fox from veganbusinessmedia.com and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode. Bye for now.